You're listening to a podcast from BJSM. Welcome to this BJSM podcast with Professor Yuzi Dvorak, the Chief Medical Officer for FIFA. Today, Yuzi's on the line from Zurich, Switzerland. I'm in Doha, Qatar, and that's the site of the 2022 World Cup, of course. Yuzi, thanks for making time at the end of your busy day of the clinic. Yes, you are very welcome, and I am happy to be with you. And you've been doing a stack of good work in different areas. Let's start with football for health. What's news in this concept of football for health? Well, the 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 whole concept of prevention is really developing, and it is uh, being more and more echoed by the FIFA and FIFA executives, and also the member associations. And um, we, you know, the, the background is basically the bringing the message about um, healthy lifestyle to schools and using the uh, the uh, popularity of the footballs in most of the countries around the globe just to get the attention of the children in the school. So we have done really a um, great progress. And what's mo- most important is that the countries are responding. So we really don't need so much time to convince the government that it's something useful to implement in their schools. So meanwhile, we are now established in 19 countries in Africa and in South America, in uh, Colombia, Chile, in uh, Asia, Burma, Myanmar, and also in Oceania, Solomon Islands and uh, Tonga. So it's about the situation where we are. We have several countries where the program is running nationwide that means that with the health messages and with our representatives and ambassadors we are reaching every corner of a country for example uh, namibia uh, mauritius malawi where we are currently having some courses cascade courses and we are gearing up so we are going according to our system in the countries so this is really encouraging and we are monitoring also the response of the children at the age 11, 12 years. And uh, it looks pretty much the same. The increase of knowledge, whether we are in Colombia, Mexico, or in um, Zimbabwe, or in uh, Malawi, or Zambia. So it looks very much the same. The best results ever we have received uh, with the increased... um, situation and knowledge of the children was in Ghana and we attribute that to the fact that the entire program in Ghana is under a leadership of a very much motivated uh, young ambitious uh, doctor so he is really pushing the teachers and all the schools controlling that the program is uh, reaching maximum of the kids so that's about the, the situation where we are now. And for a person who's trying to get a feel for what it involves, just tell us one of the stories from a place where you've been. I know you've been to many of these places, but what does it look like from a student's eyes? What happens in a football for health class? Well, basically, this is something new in the schools. And uh, the kids are surprised. Well, the teachers are surprised. The kids are surprised then suddenly is the football mandatory part of their school curriculum. So they play um, 
once a week and uh, you know when you visit those countries and uh, you go to the schools and they um, you observe how they do it then it's usually in in the marginal uh, hour and one class is exercising and the rest of the school is watching and mimicking what those who are doing in the middle so the response is really the, the response and compliance is extremely high for us surprisingly because if I go as a doctor and try to explain, you know, what they should do, they would never do. But if uh, they go through the popular uh, ball game, they uh, start to really do. So this is how it's how it's perceived by the students. They are very happy. You know, you give them a ball and you give them the basic equipment and two goals and they start to play. And then you can use these 90 minutes to push every week uh, one health message. So that's how it works. It's very simple. But the starting point is to convince the government that they have, that they make this um, exercise as a mandatory part of the curriculum. So they give a mandatory 90 minutes a week for one term for the kids to play football and get those messages. And up to now, we could convince any government we have approached, even the bigger ones like um, Colombia, Mexico, though uh, Tanzania is also a pretty big country with 45 million people and Myanmar the same, Myanmar 90 million people. Yeah, you've got an estimate of how many, like the, how many children have been involved yet or the population of the countries when you're adding up your current list? Well, we have... Um, Last year, 2012, uh, we got about uh, 50,000 kids in the program. 2013, we will have uh, around, we are estimating about 300,000. And 2014, 2015, we would be reaching with the more populated countries around 2 million a year. And then it could escalate. So um, by 2015, 2016, if we get the support, and I come to this a little later, then it could escalate that uh, we go into millions of children every year. And this is the beauty of the program. Once you have learned the kids and the teachers in the school how to do it, then it's like self-perpetuating program. It's like the integrated part of the curriculum. So every kid is looking for for it. Like if you are in the last uh, year of primary school, then you are looking for the next year where you get all this football, and they are asking for that. So this is how it works. This is um, it is fantastic. We have like the first country where we started Mauritius is now at the end of the third year, third cyclus. So when you go that way, then the the costs invested into the education are significantly decreasing while you have a significant increase of the kids. You need to educate the teachers only once. The ball will last for about three, four years to play with it. So then uh, for the next uh, round of three, four years, the costs are related only to the equipment. And I have calculated approximately that um, if it continues like this and it has this um, momentum to continue, then... Uh, over the years, the cost for education of one child in the healthy messages or healthy lifestyle 
would be approximately two dollars per kit, per kit, wow. which would include yeah. also the the equipment. So this is the situation where we are today, and we are surprised about the response, about the support of the governments and also of the population of teachers. And you hinted that you were going to tell more about if, if it escalates or if you get the support you want. What were you going to say about that? <laughs> well, this is, of course, when you are in the midst of the development. Uh, I have approached also the FIFA that, uh, you know, the program is successful. Then we need support. We have to make a uh, really professional uh, development and set up a structure and logistic that we can implement the program in many more countries like now we are since 2009 in three four years we have reached 19 countries so this is the you know five six seven countries a year on average but we have 209 countries around the world so if we go global and fifa as a global organization would support it so um it is foreseen that at the next FIFA Congress, which is on 31st of May 2013, I will present the Global Health Initiative to the member associations, even for voting, if they support. And I have no doubts that they will be a support. And if there is a support, then we have to also look and get the mandate to organize it. But the initial experience with, uh, with the countries we are in are so encouraging that uh, we will push everything forward with, uh, you know, with my team, with Colin Fuller from England and Astrid Junger from Germany as a leading person, then we will push it that we can develop that way. We might approach some um, private sponsors or foundations and convince them that it is very well invested money for the future. Absolutely. And Yuji, as we bring this section to a close, would you be in a position to say what the reasons for the success are? Like, What do you think has made the difference? Why has this been so popular? Well, this is something which is very difficult to say, but I think that the issue is that the countries where we go we are very lucky that we have as a vehicle, as a platform, the most popular sport in the world. You go to Turkey or you go to Colombia or you go to Solomon Island and you ask what is the most popular sport, then it will be football. I think this is one of the, one of the key that not only people love the football to watch, now they are introduced to play and mimic the big role models like our representatives. And this is what is very catchy for children at that age. It is catchy also for adults. But if you have a um, Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo and Marta on the same board being led by Vicente del Bosque, that has a very strong impact. So it's like... Um, you know, for for children at that age, uh, this is really very important for them, or this is one of the one of the aspects of the success. 
But I think the popularity and the love to the sport and uh, to football in particular is probably the main issue. And we are very lucky and uh, that um, we, we have realized the potential the football has as a vehicle to the contribution to the improvement of public health. Of course, there are other sports they could, they could be used and probably would be, you can go to American Samoa, definitely the rugby is the most popular sport, then that could be used very, you know, the messages could be adapted to this, what the people love at most. If someone's listening to the podcast and they want to try to help, um, maybe they're the prime minister of a country or something, is there something they can do? Is there an email or someone can call if they want to help or are you guys under control? You know, the process is like this, that the country, usually it is our member association, but the intention could come also from the government. I was uh, recently invited uh, by the first lady of Chile to speak with her about a healthy lifestyle and uh, I accepted the invitation. So it can be, you know, uh, government, it can be the, the sports organization, whoever, and we are gearing up for this, uh, to use this momentum. Even take the example of Mexico, which has agreed, the government has agreed that they will finance the entire campaign until 2015, aiming to have every year 2 million kids in the program, you know, that's about the amount they have every year. And Colombia is following with the same, um, same issue. So that might be that government, you know, for government, those figures are not really that high. So I think that there would be also a shared, uh, shared support of that, of the program by government, by the sports organizations, and uh, maybe some external foundations or sponsors. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Yuzi. So let's move on to another major health problem that you're addressing at FIFA and with the FMARC group, and that's uh, sudden cardiac death. Yes. Here we are really going very strongly. We are very, very strong about that because some of them can be prevented. You know, arrhythmias or, uh, you know, different conditions, and you can save life if you realize them. So we basically run on... Um, Two trucks. The one truck is the appropriate examination of the players with uh, pre-competition medical assessment, including the ECG. And here the BMJ and the British Journal of Sports Medicine gave really a, a huge help with the platform, uh, the educational platform to disseminate worldwide as related to the appropriate and adequate and correct interpretation of the ECG findings. And I think this has to be really congratulated to the initiated uh, Dr. Dresner from um, Seattle and the group of experts. Uh, we felt that it is absolutely in line with our philosophy. So we sponsored it from the FMARC financially that it could get off the ground. So this is the one thing, good examination of the players, of the athletes before they start to compete, or even if they are competing, that they have this periodic examination every two, three years. And uh, that's reasonable, simple. And if there are some suspicions, then you go in more detail. Um, and I can tell you, for example, we are examining also the referees for uh, FIFA competitions, and we have already found two with, uh, with underlying uh, heart pathology. It's gratifying for us 
who are involved more with the science and with the clinical part, that if you put it into the operation on a large scale, then suddenly you are contributing and might even be contributing to saving lives. So this is the one side, one part. And I think this is not something which uh, is enough to publish papers. The international sports federations, they have to have the courage and put it into the operation, set up examples, and also allow the funds to help to do it. Because without funds, you know, nothing will, nothing will happen. And this is where we as doctors have to convince our executives that it is not only organizing competitions, we have to do all the work around in prevention, in preparation, and set up the example. So that is the one track where we are going. The other track is uh, to educate people responsible for competitions that they are prepared if an um, emergency occurs, such as sudden cardiac arrest, they know what to do. When sudden cardiac arrest occurs, you have 120 seconds to make the decision. And you can make the decision only if you know what to do, if you have the equipment, and if you have the people in place that they can operate. If you don't have it, then you might be standing as a doctor next to sudden cardiac arrest, and you can't really do much because you do not have the appropriate equipment. So what we have designed now is FIFA football emergency bag, and it will be presented to the FIFA Congress and to every country around the world, to our member associations. It's a bag which contains everything to secure life for 120 seconds prior admission to a uh, hospital, including the defibrillator, including the you know security for ventilation, all the gadgets, small gadgets, which you need to save life if sudden cardiac arrest occurs. It was designed by a group of experts, international experts. They agreed what needs to be in there. And again, the British Journal of Sports Medicine is very helpful. They are willing to publish the paper. The content of the bag will be published in the journal so everybody can read it and again use it in your federation on small scale. We created FIFA 11 steps to prevent sudden cardiac death. That's the number one, PCMA, number two, ECG and ECHO, which would go under the block of prevention. Then we have the, the training and equipment. That would be the planning and protocol with the AED training for team staff referees, the emergency bag, what I was talking about. That's the number four. Number five is to have such an emergency bag in position. And the game does not start without referee controlling that it's on, in position. Then we have also field side medical team, again in position, who is accordingly educated and, if possible, fully functional uh, ambulance in the nurse surrounding. And then finally, we have to be prepared for what to do to have the emergency medical plan to recognize when player is collapsing, and then we activate the emergency plan. We have 120 seconds to put the AED into operation and the 
CPR is activated. It's a terrific comprehensive approach, Yuji, and uh, implementation is something I commend you on in FIFA, and we're trying to illustrate success stories of implementation in BJCM. It's a theme for us, as you know, and we publish success stories and we talk about uh, success stories on the podcast, and that's a very concrete set of principles for people to follow. So thank you so much for that. I think it's very important that the that science really works very close uh, to um, to the implementation. And I think, you know, without flattering you as editor-in-chief, what you have brought into life is to to transfer the scientific experience because we are not educated into that. You know, we are treating um, treating patients daily, but I am absolutely convinced what I am experiencing now in the last decade, 15 years, that the future of medicine is definitely the prevention or recognizing the pre-symptomatic stage of a potential disease. And the sooner we start, you know, before we can identify all the genotypes, before we come to this, we have to start to be prepared for that. And I think this is what we are now experiencing. And uh, this is such a, you know, for me, after having almost 40 years clinical experience as a doctor, that I am realizing that that kind of approach will be so important for the future generations. You know, we were involved in developing new diagnostical criteria, therapeutical procedures, and we are excellent in that, this is good, but combining it to put the same emphasis on the pre-symptomatic situation is so important. And I think this is what you try also to express in your journal with, uh, with the different approaches and stories. Yeah, thanks, Yuzi, and prevention is one of our focus, as you know, and we have uh, dedicated issues on that. So that's a nice lead into our last quick um, comment, Yuzi, and I know you have to go, um, that uh, the 11 plus, so preventing ACL injuries. I actually ran into work today with my 11 plus shirt by coincidence. Um, so just what updates do you have for our listeners on that? We have now... Uh preliminary data from a um, recent study which was done in um, United States with uh, one of our FIFA Medical Center of Excellence in Santa Monica with a um, again with uh, control teams and intervention teams close to 2,000 uh, football players and the 11 plus were as an intervention and uh, after one season there was really significant drop of injuries uh, in the intervention group in uh, comparison to the control. So we are confirming the previous study in Norway by Soligard in the Oslo Sports Trauma Center. And, uh, you know, you are addressing ACL in this population of uh, close to 2,000 players. We had 15 ACLs in the, interve in the control study, while we had only five in the intervention study. Our ankle injuries hit 120 in the control and 36 in the intervention. So there was really a significant difference in the different injuries we have been controlling by the 
really religiously applied 11 plus program. So we are reinforced by this second uh, prospective controlled um, trial that it is worthwhile to invest in the education. So this program has been now implemented in, um, I think, more than 60 countries. But important are those countries which decided to bring it to every corner or in every club in their country. And the number one, which was the toughest to convince, was the German Football Association. That's by far the biggest football association in the world with about four and a half million active football players. And they have about 26,000 organized uh, clubs in Germany. And the, they decided, they started last year, to bring the program in every club in the country. Again, with the means, you know, if the, the kids are not getting injured or the player are not get, they have more fun on the on the on the game. So, from the major, you know, countries which decided to go in every club, just to name the few: Japan, Italy, Spain, and now, currently, while we're speaking, Mario Bizzini, our great promoter, is. Um, giving a course to the doctors of the Brazilian Football Association, CBF, in Rio de Janeiro, being absolutely supported by the Brazilian national team and also the major clubs like Flamengo and Corinthians and others. So I think this is, again, where you have scientific results and the recent studies from Calgary about the you know, which way of uh, coaching is the best also support the um, the assumption that going through the football clubs and through the coaches is really the most efficient way to bring the prevention program to be running and that the players are compliant so again also here we get uh, you know ongoing confirmation that it is worthy to invest uh, into the prevention and as the kiwis the new zealanders proven one invested dollar in prevention of uh, injuries will result in um, saving of $8 on, uh, on medical costs. That's a great set of um, information and altogether three terrific contributions to sports medicine. Usually, um, as you say, your team members have done a great job, Colin Fuller, Astrid Junger, Mario Bazzini, and You've collaborated with many centres around the world, such as those you mentioned on the call, including the uh, Oslo group. So congratulations on all the good work you're doing. Keep up the great fight, and uh, we look forward to talking to you soon on another BJSM podcast. Yeah, thank you very much, and I can only encourage you know young people to step in into this direction. It is worth to follow, and it's very rewarding. Thank you very much. For more information about this program and other BMJ Group podcasts, please visit bmj.com.